Bring It On is a public affairs program exploring the people, issues, and events affecting the African-American communities in South Central Indiana and beyond. Bring It On is a forum for the people, by the people, produced by an independent team of volunteers working at the studios of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana, and financially supported by listeners like you. Good evening, I'm William Hosea, and welcome to Bring It On, a multiple award-winning radio broadcast in our 17th year as Indiana's only weekly community radio show committed to exploring people, issues, and events impacting the African-American community. Good evening, I'm Natalia Galvin, tonight's guest co-anchor. The Center for American Women in Politics a unit of the Eagleton Institute of Politics at Rutgers has compiled an extensive array of stats regarding the number of women holding political offices in the United States. From Vice President Kamala Harris to the 14 women of color who currently serve as mayors in the nation's 100 largest cities, to the 607 women of color who who serve in state legislatures throughout the United States and U.S. territories, The numbers represent a small snapshot of progress for women in politics. Stacey Abrams is synonymous with mobilizing and strategizing to get candidates of color elected to high-ranking offices. She joins the ranks of Shirley Chisel and Fannie Lou Hammer as an agent of change. She recognizes that Black women are the largest and most consistent voting bloc of the Democratic Party and have been for some time. Black women have long been the heart of the Democratic Party, among the party's most reliable and loyal voters. But for decades, that allegiance did not translate to their own political rise. There have been zero Black female governors, only two senators, and several dozen Congresswomen. This evening, we are favored to have two women of color who are candidates vying for local and national political offices with us are Dr. Valerie McRae, candidate for U.S. Senate, and Jennifer Crosley, candidate for Monroe County Council, District 4. As a healthcare professional, Dr. McRae has evaluated thousands of men and women of our military suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder and traumatic brain injuries from the wars in Iraq, Afghanistan, the Gulf War, and Vietnam. Dr. McRae has worked in over a dozen high-security prisons and jails in Indiana and Georgia. She has often said, prisons are the mental health hospitals for the poor. I think that's really profound. She works with victims of violence and families that have lost loved ones to violence. She treats children that have been displaced due to abuse and neglect and girls that have been sex trafficked. Despite being surrounded by tragedy, Dr. McCray embodies optimism and exudes a contagious excitement about the future of Indiana. She respects science and research and looks forward to embracing technology that brings clean manufacturing back to the United States. We will not only improve the health of the planet, but we will improve our quality of life beyond our wildest dreams. Our mental health is our mental wealth. And then Jennifer Crossley, local badass, serves as the first Black chairwoman of the Monroe County Democratic Party. Prior to this, she was on the steering committee for the Democratic Women's Caucus in 2018. She also served as a membership chair and vice president of the Monroe County National Organization for Women chapter in 2017. 
Jennifer is active and engaged through extensive volunteerism with Shalom Center, now Beacon, the Bloomington chapter of Moms Demand Action Against Gun Violence, Monroe County Black Democratic Caucus, our local chapter of the NAACP, and the Democratic Women's Caucus. She resides in Bloomington with her three children and Emmy Award-winning husband, Justin. Jennifer continues to use her voice and platform to push for more women of color to be involved in the political process, to not only have a seat at the table, but to ensure that their voices are heard. So after that impressive introduction, Dr. McRae and Jennifer, welcome to Bring It On. Thank you for having us. I'm excited about this conversation. Absolutely. And with that intro, I think I could just leave right now, right? That, <laughs> that was pretty complete. And that was wonderful. So, yeah. So, Natalia, we, we obviously have two heavyweights uh, on the program <laughs> with us today. But but I got to throw this in there, too. I'm just really thrilled to have the ninth District Latino Caucus Chair, who is Natalia, to co-anchor with me today. So I, I can step back and let you three run with it. But Natalia is amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let me start off by saying, asking uh, Dr. McRae and Jennifer, please share with us something about yourself that that you want people to know that we didn't cover in our introduction. Uh, I don't know if that's possible. That intro was so long, but but. Take a stab at it. Who wants to go first? Dr. McCray, if you want to go first. <laughs> we were we were talking a little bit about my love for animals and that, that extends to nature as well. Everything in nature, um, the freshness of everything, including our food supply is very important to me. Um, I think that what I would want people to know the most is that um, I, I come from a public school system uh, most of my family is pretty much below, have been pretty much below the poverty line. Um, you know, we had those first, uh, I'm definitely the first, you know, as far as graduating and that sort of thing, but we have a lot of young people coming up in our family now that are following behind and following suit. So I'm excited about that. So that when I'm running, um, even though, you know, I've been blessed being a, a University of Michigan graduate and all that, when I'm running, I'm very, very still connected to the day-to-day -day, uh, bump and grind of just living. Uh, and so I wanted people to understand that. That's the main thing, uh, is that you're dealing with a candidate now that uh, keeps one foot in both sides of the arena. Um, and um, my original campaign team, and they're still working in the background, uh, they they picked me because uh, I said, hey, I've been in that Aldi's line. I couldn't afford everything in my car. And I was very sincere about that. I've driven Lyft. I've done a lot of things to make ends meet. Uh, so I understand the struggles out there. So that would be the mo main thing that I would want people to understand is that I, I can relate because I'm right there. I haven't left and <laughs> don't intend to. Jennifer? Mm, okay. Well, one thing... Um, Honestly, one of the things is, uh, shoot, well, we don't have all day. So let me, let's think about it. So um, I honestly, I never envisioned myself being where I am five years ago. If you could have told me 
that this is where I was going to end up um, being party chair and ultimately about to run in the caucus to fill for county council district four seat, I would have laughed in your face and told you you're crazy and tend to my kids. So um, it, it's interesting to see the progress that I have gone through to lead me up into this point. And it's, it's kind of, I kind of get a little choked up thinking about it because uh, I've come a long way. Um, A lot of heartbreaks, heartaches, long nights, gray hair, dyed gray hair, all of that. But I'm, yeah, so that's, that's what I would say. I would think to kind of um, piggyback off that, right. That, that um, the both paths have led to, different, different kind of things. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was fortunate enough to uh, help coordinate a power of the black and brown vote. Uh, Dr. McCray um, uh, with William, uh, we planned this a couple uh, months before, but our event was a couple of weeks ago. I think you were, you were part of the, uh, the guests there, uh, but uh, Jennifer and William and I coordinated along with Nicole Bolden and Dana Black. And it was a great, great thing. But I think something that one of the panelists said was that um, no one uh, tapped me on the shoulder and told me it was time to run. I tapped myself on the shoulder and, and said it was time to run. So can you tell me a little bit about that? Because both of you are, are um, you know, are, are put your hat in the ring for um, some very important positions. So can you tell us a little bit about um, what, what that conversation was like with your family and just with yourself, right? That it's like, hey, this is my time because no one really asks us to run a lot of times, but it's like, we're saying we're going to do this. So can you tell me a little bit about what that was like for in uh, both your respective journeys? Um, for me, I was, I was telling this story before I was actually working at a prison and um, I just kept getting this sort of, urge like you, you got to do you know after working in so many prisons I said we, we I got to do something different you know this is not getting my people anywhere I'm just visiting men locked away and their lives are just like on hold or just stagnant I'm, I'm listening to them try to raise their kids from a visitation room or on these on these calls and they're you know they're freaking out because of the stuff on the news and stuff is still going on. And then the fact that I work with the kids at Logansport uh, Juvenile uh, Prison as well, I'm petrified that I'm gonna see one of these children uh, you know, on television. And I have lost a few of them to gun violence and that sort of thing. And so for me, I'm walking around saying, I gotta do something different. I want, and we've got, I've gotta have the biggest megaphone possible. I did not, think <laughs> that it wasn't normal just to say, hey, I'm going to do this. I didn't realize it was a whole, it was, some of me, is, it was kind of naive. I didn't realize that the Democratic Party and the Democratic machine was just two different conversations, two different cultures, two different things. I didn't know that it was just a different language uh, with the Democratic Party versus just the Democratic voter. I've just always been a Democratic voter. And I thought, oh, well, you know, I've got a PhD. I'm smart enough. I, I know this system. I mean, I know these things. I can just get out there and do it. I wasn't counting on the pushback or the people that I, whoa, 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 whoa. You have not you know, sort of worked your way up through this system. And so navigating that and navigating those 
those blocks has been pretty interesting. Uh, but I think as we grow, we've, we've gained a lot of respect and momentum as we went along. But my sort of coming to that reality, just like I said, was just sort of this nagging thing. And I don't know about you guys, but, you know, for me, I'm a, you know on the spiritual side of that, I was also getting these like really weird off the the out of the way remarks like, hey, it's going to take a black woman to fix this thing. And I'm like, which black woman could that be? Is it Oprah? Is it this? Is it that? And then I was like, wait a minute, I could do this. You know, so I was like, well, maybe it's supposed to be me. And so it was just a lot of affirmations that were coming at the same time that made me say, okay, you've got enough hints, you've got enough nudges, just do it. And I just did it filled the paperwork, did all the stuff, the background, people jumped in to help. Um, my accountant, who's the treasurer of our, 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 uh, of our campaign now, of course, when she has watched me, because I had a business years ago, and she's still been my accountant, so she's watched these up and down uh, a roller coaster things that has happened with, with being a, a single business owner, raising a child, all these things. And I said, hey, Mary, I'm going to run for, for this, this crazy office or whatever. And she goes, I'm right with you, Val. And I'm like, why? And she says, because you have been through everything. I've watched you, you know, fall and get back up. I've watched you in business. I've watched you um, dealing with your son. I've watched you work. I've watched you have those good years, those bad years. And I've watched this happen. And I'm right with you. And she really is. She's my best supporter. And she's She's our treasurer, and it's just amazing. So it was a lot of different things that, that caused that conversation to happen and me to sort of commit. And I always say, I just didn't have a right to say no, actually. You know, I've been blessed so much with adversity as well as um, some amazing things that have happened as well. So I just felt like I just didn't, with all of this saying do it, I just, just didn't have that right to say no. Uh, and that's the best way I can uh, explain it at this point. Yeah, I think for me, I, again, it goes back to, I never saw myself in this position because A, I never was really truly asked, but I just didn't think it was for me because I just didn't feel like I was your usual, typical um, political affiliate or a politician or anything like that. I'm a mom, I'm a wife. I work 40 hours a week. I come home and I deal with kids. I like to say that I'm a soccer mom and training. It's, it's been a goal my whole life to do things like that. Um, but, you know, just keeping myself active and engaged and involved with, you know, our school corporation when our school corporation had things. And so I did have, there was one conversation that I did have years back um, with uh, a lady named Regina Moore here in town. And she said, did you ever, have you ever thought about running for office? And I laughed when she asked that question. I'm like, yeah, no, whatever. And so it was like, you know, you should think about it. And it was always in the back of my brain. But because I have, you know, little time, extra time, because, again, that I'm a, you know, a mom and I work full time and, and all of those different things, I just always push that to the back of my brain. And so in the previous chair, Mark Freely decided that he was going to step down, I kind of I, it was like one of those where I was just like, you know, I think I'm going to do it. But nobody did or nobody was like, Jennifer, you know, there's there's a vacancy that's about to happen. You should put yourself out there. Um, it was more of, I think I'm going to do it. And 
leading up into those points, up until the caucus where, you know, we were chosen and not, you know, ultimately had a, an opponent as well. It was interesting because I, you know, talked to my family and, and I said, this is what I was going to do. And they were just like, wait, what, what are you doing? Why are we doing this? And, you know, just trying to explain and, and going through the motions. And then as you do your usual thing, trying to, you know, meet with people and say, why well, you're the best person for this job uh, and things like that. I was literally getting a lot of pushback all because I was a mom. I worked full time. I also have, you know, people ask me that, you know, what does your husband have to say about all of this? And then unfortunately I had people say it wasn't my time. Um, it wasn't my time and they were going to go for another person. Thanks. And you're, you're great and you're inspiring and you're all of these different things. Um, but it's just not your time. And we also don't really see you in this position. We thought you would go for school board or something else like this. And I used that for a second and I got a little bit of down on myself and I decided, no, I, I, this is just because what you think you see me do is not necessarily what I see myself to do. And I just kept pushing forward. And then ultimately we had the caucus and I won. And then this position, you know, came up and it was something again that was just kind of kicked to the back burner for me. And as, you know, things kept going on, I'm like, why, why not? Why, why not me? And, you know, with Natalia and I like to talk, there's this AOC quote that says like, if, you know, a hundred of us can make it, but like one person has to try. And every time I feel down on myself or I feel like I can't do it or I don't want to do it or somebody's telling me something, I remember all of the things that were said to me, all of the things that are continued to say to, you know, women of color that look like us um, here that, you know, it, it regardless of whether you think it's my time or not, I guess we'll see when that time comes and that time is now. So I just keep going and, and that's where I'm at now. Let me piggyback off of uh, what Jennifer just said. And, and then I'm going to come back to uh, Dr. McCray. Now, Jennifer, I remember uh, some years ago, actually not too many. I, I remember you were involved with the Monroe County branch of now National Organization for Women. And, and I knew that you were, you know, doing different things in the community. But then you just kind of came out of nowhere and said, I'm, I want this uh, job as chair of the county's Democratic Party. Kind of took everybody by surprise. I mean, you, you just went from zero to 60, jumped over everything. And uh, even though I was surprised, um, I was still open to hear what you had to say. And so that day when we had the caucus meeting and we took a vote after listening to you speak, it, it was hands down. I voted for you. Proud to say that. Thank you. And so after successfully running the uh, the Democratic Party for the last few years, uh, I don't know about everybody else, but I was honestly wondering what's next for Jennifer Crossley locally. <laughs> so why the county council and not the board of commissioners? Because there's one of those seats coming open as well. Yeah, yeah. And I think those also, you know, we, we need to, if we feel like we need to run and, um, and a person feels like they should do that, then I say, absolutely, let's go. Um, but why, why this position and why now? Um, again, like I said, it's just something that I've, I've thought about and I've envisioned myself doing. 
And, you know, we have representation within our, our city government, very small, um, with our elected officials that are Black and a small smidge on the other side of county as well. Um, and so when you look at the makeup of county council, I don't see anybody that looks like me. Um, and I, I'm, I'm a very firm believer of we have to make sure that those that are elected officials, um, that we, we trust with our votes and we trust to do the right things, also represent and look like the makeup of our community. And if you don't, then there's a problem with that. And so I, I look at that and I go, okay, well, there, there are things that are missing. And I always tell us, and I, I'm, I'm transparent with, you know, a lot of things. And, um, you know, we're, we're still renters here in Bloomington. You know, we have small families, things like that, all of those things. But this is my, like my lived experience as a young black woman um, also coming into this position is why I want to go ahead and why I want to continue forward and why I want to do, um, be a part of, you know, county council. The county council is the fiscal body of our county, but they also have, you know, lots of responsibilities that a lot of people don't realize. And it's very not, it's not what a lot of people are focused on. And so it's, you know, with me, I'd love to come in and focus and, and do those types of things. But yes, I do believe that, you know, representation matters um, and I would love to bring that along with my abilities to do the position as well not just what I look mm -hmm. like on the outside but my abilities to serve um, the community and to serve district four as well okay quick question for Dr. McCray and then I'll turn it back over to uh, Natalia Dr. McCray you mentioned something a little earlier about the democratic machine but if you secure the Democratic nomination, you're going to be going up against the Republican machine plus Todd Young, who just happens to be relatively young, white, male, veteran. And he got a little bit of money in a state that's 89% white, 9% uh, black, but at the same time, pretty much blood red. So my question is, how are you being received as you travel around the state? And what, what are you hearing in response to your message? Um, one of the things about working in prisons, when I say working in prisons, most of these prisons are in these very all white little small towns. Um, I, and so when I work in these towns, I be, I'm part of those communities. I'm eating in those restaurants. I'm, I'm going to the, to the, uh, uh, the Mexican bakeries. I'm going to the, you know, cause that's because I love those, but the, um, uh, the, I'm going, I'm part of the communities and part of the conversations in these small communities. So Richmond, for example, I'm in that downtown area that's desolated, that's gone. Um, in Logansport, because I'm, I'm a big, uh, building historian, uh, that sort of thing. I'm, I'm looking at this, this beautiful city that used to be. Uh, so I'm, I'm there, I'm out there, whether it's Miami County and all the way down to Carlisle uh, near Vincennes, Evansville. I, I worked there for a year as well. So I'm part of those communities. So I'm not, it's not something foreign, foreign to me to, to be in those environments. And so I've made friends in those areas as well. I don't think um, that that's a, 
I don't think there's a, a big communication gap or a big uh, difference between myself and, and those people in those all white towns. A lot of times they wanna just be heard. And also when you explain your positions, it, just, it definitely uh, does something else um, as far as moving the conversations forward. Todd Young has deep pockets. Uh, we know that. And as Democrats or women or minorities, we're gonna have to get used to thinking about supporting our candidates the way we support, uh, well, we need to improve this as well. Just, we need to do political tithing. Uh, break off a little bit every week uh, to make sure your politicians are supported. We can still go, again, go up against someone who's big pockets such as uh, uh, Todd Young. When I run across, go around town, no one even knows who he is half the time. And definitely a lot of people don't know what they do, what he does in these small towns. Um, they haven't seen him, uh, you know, very much at all. They see these people right before an election. That's about it. I think that just going out there face to face and actually having conversations, sitting down, uh, it's, it's going to make all the difference in the world. It's something I just do anyway. It's just... You know, it's not something I have to fake doing. It's something I do anyway. So I don't think we're going to have a problem there. Uh, it's just a matter of getting all the, the, the money in so we can hit all these spots and uh, pay volunteers and that sort of thing so that, that we can spread out bigger, faster, and stronger. And that's the challenge. But it's a challenge we can meet. We're, I'm still a, a Black woman. or And so we know how to make a little out of a lot, a lot out of a little. I know how to stretch. We can we can make it happen, and we've come up with some ideas um, to get signatures to get what we need that, that won't cost us very much at all. So so we're thinking out of the box. And women, I think, and especially uh, women of color, we've had to learn how to stretch it and think out of the box. And so I, I think we'll be okay. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's 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 causing us to be creative, but I like the the creative process even more. Natalia. Okay, so uh, I'm going to go back to something Dr. McRae said earlier about uh, navigating those political boxes um, in the party and in the system. You referenced earlier about our democratic machine and um, how can, uh, and, and just to be very transparent, I serve on that state central committee for our democratic party, right? And we're having a lot of these conversations. How can we do better, right? Because we need to do better. Just clearly, end of the sentence, we need to do better. So how can, how can we do better to support our candidates of color in our party? What are, uh, and both locally, we can talk about it on the local, with, the, um, with our local party, with our district, and with our, um, with our state party. So however you want to uh, address it is, is great for, for both um, Jennifer and Dr. McRae. I think that one of the stances the Democrats, one of the things that they're going to have to undo quickly, I, and I hope they undo it quickly, is the stance of we're not going to support any candidate until after the primary or until after that that thing. Well, we're not, and we're not going into this equal by any means. And so, if you don't break off a little for the the other candidates or help us, just try help us all. It 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 basically makes our jobs just so much harder than what it needs to be. And you're limiting uh, what you're doing. What they're doing is recycling the same people over and over again, because they've got money in their coffers. They've got, you know, they've got 
deeper pockets. They've got money left over from previous campaigns, relationships from previous campaigns. So it's not a fair contest and they need to help make it as fair as possible. Also, there is when a culture or any type of a uh, membership club or whatever, when they are functioning so long, they don't even realize that they have a different conversation and a different language and a different culture. So for me, just trying to figure out that culture um, was interesting. So I think that there's got to be more conversation. And this is not about training because the training doesn't really tell you because I went to a lot of trainings, but they don't really tell you things like, um, I'll, give you, I'll give you a great example. I was meeting with people and I didn't realize that, you know, I want conversations. I want to know more information. Um, I didn't realize that if I didn't make an ask of a monetary gift or whatever, if I didn't make a specific ask, they were judging that. And I was like, really? Now, coming from another, you know, just being, sense of being, you know, it's impolite to ask people for money the first time you go out to meet them, you know? So you're going to grow across something that's people don't, and for, for the Democratic Party, they felt, they feel like, hey, you should know how, you should do that automatically. No, it's nothing natural about asking people you barely know uh, or even people you do know for, for a check. Uh, so getting past those expectations and those differences in language, I think they need to be more, um, uh, embracing of that and and not necessarily oh she doesn't even know how to make an ask you know it was weird trying to to bridge these these different worlds so the democratic party could do better as far as yes help people out early on so they can give them a chance uh, to uh, so they don't struggle out here so long uh, to realize especially women of color uh, especially people of color we don't have grandfathers, great grandfathers. We don't have that legacy money to fall back on. We have to work. I still work. Uh, I still work. I mean, I dropped down to, to four days, to uh, three days, three or four days, three and a half days, uh, which is like, okay, now how am I going to make that money up? <laughs> you know, um, but we still have to work. We still have to do all those things when if we got a little bit of help, we would be able to move faster and stronger and and those sort of things. And just helping us make those connections that are easily made on the golf courses for uh, white males. We don't have those, those networks or we don't have those, those handshakes that, that makes that happen and say, hey, we're going to introduce you to somebody who has the money, who, who can do this. Uh, we don't really have that. So the Democratic Party needs to help us make the playing field a little bit more fair for uh, minorities and especially minority women, because it's not a fair playing field at all. So like a navigator, like someone to tell you the unspoken rules. Someone can be like, this is the list. Like, this is the list people use, like almost like here, 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 this, you know, like, and just, just because if you give your time to put your head in the ring, this is the baseline. This is the starting point because right. Sometimes people start, miles ahead of where we all thought the starting line was going to be something like that. Absolutely. You said it perfectly. Yes. The unspoken rule book. And then also sort of how to navigate through that and make, you know, help us catch up, uh, help us catapult at least to 
uh, not necessarily the front of the line, but def definitely of an even starting point, you know. So I'm sure Jennifer's running across issues like that as well. <laughs> she goes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's it's interesting because as you're sitting here talking, um, I, I'm, I'm listening to it. I'm just like, oh, the conversations that we've all have behind the scenes as to, you know, what goes on and what happens. And you hear this person is wanting to, you know, run, but this person is a really good candidate. I think what we, so I, I definitely agree with you, Dr. McCray. Like there's, we, we do have to do better um, as an organization of the Democratic Party. Like we, we have to do better to support our candidates of color. Um, one of the biggest things, and you mentioned too, like, we also, in addition of not having that war chest and, and uh, of funds and things like that, we are also the breadwinners um, and the homemakers of our families. So it's really difficult for us. We might have the want and the will and the drive to run for office. However, we have children. We don't have babysitter. We have all of these different things. So we need a strong foundation and a village behind us. And that is one of the things that I'd I think that we could do better is really having that support system, having some type of, of mentorship because it's cute and it's great that you are saying, you know, Dr. McCray, Dr. You know, or Jennifer or, you know, Natalia, I think you'd be great. And I want you to run. Go ahead and run. I think you're great. Okay. But we know that running for office takes a lot of time, talent, effort, money, resources, all of those things that we might not have. So telling somebody, that they would be great and should run is one thing, but actually saying this, I think you'd be great, phenomenal and running. Here's how we're going to help you to get there. We are going to, you know, if you don't have anybody, have this great person to talk to. I will be also helping you volunteer. I will watch your kids. Other organizations will do this for other people. But when it's our time for us to come through, it's that's that, that olive branch isn't necessarily given and it shuns people away of not wanting to be there. I think the other thing is we have to be open and honest and transparent about a lot of things because there are things that you see that just aren't, it's just not very welcoming and it can really turn people off. Um, and one of the things that I have you know, done in my position as chair is I really have been out here really trying to talk to people as much as possible because before people were like, oh, you know, we are the party, let's have the people come to us. Well, well, no, that's 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 okay, but you have to go to people where they are. If you're tired of seeing the same stoic faces that continue to run for office, let's do something about it. Let's try to find people. Let's try to be a part of different organizations and groups and not use them as just tokens for photos that you are doing but also saying, I see something in you. I think you would be great. I'm going to do this. And also taking a chance with people. That is the biggest thing that you could do. And that is one of the things that you could do um, that will earn the, the trust and the credibility is taking a chance with people. Knowing that, yeah, you have the same face that you know continues to run for office or that same you know, white face that you continue to see but I see something in this person and y'all, I'm, I'm telling you that I really see her or him or whomever it is. And I, I'm going to stand behind them. 
So when other groups and organizations are standing behind this one candidate, you know, taking a leap of faith and saying, but it's just something about this person that I think they will bring a, a great perspective to this office. That is why we should have this person getting behind them and getting other people to do it. That is a lot. And that is something that is not given. Unfortunately, it happens here in, in our in our town, in our county. Um, and it's frustrating and it's it's hard. Again, in, in my position that I'm trying to go for now, you know, I've already had the conversations of people saying, oh, well, I didn't think that that was something that you would do. I saw you here or maybe they supported somebody else. And that's fine. But are you really wanting to see change? If so, get behind the candidate of color. Um, that person could be the agent change for a lot of things. For our listening audience, we are speaking with Dr. Valerie McRae, candidate for U.S. Senate, and Jennifer Crossley currently serving as chair of the Monroe County Democratic Party, but also candidate for the Monroe County Council. Jennifer, you gave me a perfect segue to my next question. Uh, so what I'm going to do is I want to pivot to national politics for a minute. Let's talk about the governor's race in Virginia. You know, Black women time and time again have proven to be the, the rock for voting for the Democratic Party. But it seems like white women voters have taken on that role for the Republican Party. In Virginia, they voted 57 to 43% in favor of uh, Glenn Youngkin. But at some point, when when uh, issues that are important to women are on the ballot, then they're going to turn to Black women to help them get over the top. What are your thoughts on, on those two different roles between Black women in the Democratic Party, white women in the Republican Party? Oh, that's a lot to unpack there because I got whole thoughts about that whole race but we only have a little bit of time. So I, I'm not, cause that can be a whole show in itself. Um, so yeah, there is just something to say about that. Cause also when you look at what happened in 2016 and, the, and also 2020, how white women continue to come out. And I think that number increased slightly last year um, for Donald Trump. And so that, that says a lot. So I, I feel as though, we have to stop looking at, you know, white women as like the only hope that we have here um, and, and trying to get, you know, more votes or, you know, to come out for the Democratic Party. Unfortunately, we're seeing the trend where they are voting more and more Republican. And so it, it's, it's unfortunate, but then we continue to see black women keep coming out, keep coming in droves. Um, I am a new member of Alpha Cap Alpha Sorority Incorporated. And so where our vice president is a, a member as well. And so we continue to see like organizations like my organization and, and so many different women continue to push forward with that. And it's, it's frustrating. It's 
it's great to see, but it's like, how many times do we have to keep putting on our capes and coming out and saving what needs to be done? How can we do better? Um, and, you know, in Virginia, it's just unfortunate, but Virginia also has, it's also hashtag Virginia too. But I, I just feel like there has to be a better way where the Democratic Party continues to look, not only looks at Black women as the savior, and I say that with air quotes, but trying to move them in position so that we can continue to turn out and show up better. So. Dr. McCray. Um, I'm just, you know, as I was listening to this, I kind of, my mind just went all over the place as far as how many times we have saved the day, um, even with the women's movement, you know, it started off as a black, uh, some black issues and how their issues have always piggybacked off of, of our efforts. So that, um, you know, that, that just sort of, you know, there's always that historic trauma, that historic information. I just sort of got flooded with all those times that Black women have put on those capes to save the day or that even with um, South Carolina uh, for Biden and just all across the, the country for generations now, we've had that role. I think that we have to I'm just gonna leave it at that because I, I just went somewhere else and now I can't even pull my thoughts together because it was emotional for me. But I'll, I'll just leave it at that. Uh, we have to learn how to support ourselves um, as well as bridge some of those gaps. Uh, I don't know why so many white women are going Republican given that they have children and Democrats for the most part. Um, are more socially responsible uh, and more socially aware of the obstacles uh, that children face and mothers face. So I'm, I'm just not sure what's what's going on there with that. Um, so that's a social scientist thing. And you know, the, the part of me that's a, the, the PhD part of me, I'm already in sort of the, the, the research mode. Okay, what is happening here? Uh, as a social psychologist, I'm, I'm a clinical psychologist, but I've always taught a social psychology. So right now my head is swimming with all of these things that are going on, the misinformation, the um, just everything going on. So right now uh, with Virginia, I don't have anything else to say about that, except I just, I just would love to study it more. It's just that frustrating, isn't it? I, absolutely. Absolutely. Natalia? Yeah. I think to piggyback off that um, and, uh, and take that uh, national kind of, and it's bring back to our state. Um, I think we talked earlier about, um, you know, how our party can support candidates of color, but also um, I find, and, and these are my words, our party is very performative sometimes, right? It's like our message is one thing and our actions are completely different, right? And I think to, to kind of speak to William's question, it's like, we expect Black women to save the day. They did. We saw that happen in Georgia. And now that we have a gap year, right, at least local or at least in our state, right, this was pretty much an off year for um, for elections. Uh, we go back to the same thing, like we're messaging around rural. We're, we're trying to focus on that middle Republican voter who has gone to Trump that we probably will never get back. 
right? So how can we do better? How can we do better messaging, um, messaging to, to, to communities that look like us, to, uh, messaging to um, just anything different? I just find that we're going and using the same tired playbook that we use year after year. How can we do better? as a party and we can be local it can be state it can be district either anything's fine i would like to say in order for us to do better because i again kind of going back and looking at virginia um it, it says a lot when the republican that won never held an office um and beat a, a democrat who held that same office a few years back ran, lost, and then lost again. Um, it, it, it says that, it, it says something. And to Natalia's point, yes, we have to do a better job at messaging. One of my biggest frustrations with our, our party um, is the fact that we continue to try to pander to those that are, you know, Republicans that could come over to our side or, you know, the moderates kind of like how, you know, we see with Joe Manchin and Christians or Kristen Cinema and, and things like that. And so my frustration with that party, with our party is the fact that we spend so much time, effort and money um, to get people to come back over to the nice side, to come back over to our side, that we are losing our urban and our young people and our people of color because there is nobody that is talking to our issues. We go off of the general issues and, and things that you see, but breaking down those core issues and our values that matter to the communities that look like us the most, it's lost. And as a result, when we continue to keep pushing forward and we continue to keep going for those same, the, the same old thing, we keep getting the same old results. And we have a generation that's coming up now where they're not just going to go vote Democrat just because they just don't want this guy or a person to be in the office. Unfortunately, they're going to start staying home and we're going to start seeing that. We got midterms next year that we have to worry about and we have to energize our base. But if we don't have candidates that also are very energetic and enthusiastic to talk to us, to, to talk to the voters, to relate to the voters about the issues that matter the most they you might get some people that will go out and vote but a lot of times you will probably see people stay at home because nobody feels that they are speaking to the issues that matter the most last year was you know every year we always hear this is the election of our lives this is the election of our lives and literally last year it definitely was and you saw historic numbers and now that you know voting rights are being challenged and we all of these things that are happening we have to think 10 times ahead and 10 times fast. We often come to the gunfight with a knife or and, you know, anything like that. And we're not ready for that. We think that, oh, because you know, this person isn't in office anymore, it's okay and we can continue to do the same thing. It's not. They've been like after 2020 last year, people have been thinking about 22 and 24 and beyond. How can we get the Democratic Party to do that is have a better messaging, speak to those um, in those communities, not just rural, but going into our urban communities, going to our communities of color, like going into all of these different things, going to people, seeing where they are, 
And also, I might get a little flack for this, but asking somebody to step aside and make room for somebody else that you know that would be um, not just the safe candidate that would, know, well, this will get those votes with this, but thinking ahead and saying, with this candidate, we're going to get this these types of folks that will come out for us. I think that's what we have to do. And if we continue to keep doing the same old thing, we're going to get our butts kicked and, our, and handed to us in so many different levels. So we, we have to start taking a chance. And I think people respect that as well. I think, um, you know, running, running for a federal office, um, you know, and representing the whole state, of course, there's challenges to that, uh, to a message that, you know, it's like to a message that makes, you know, that lets people know, no, I'm, I'm committed to my, my community. That doesn't mean I'm not committed to yours, but I'm definitely committed to mine. And let's see where some of the stuff that we're dealing with the stuff that you're dealing with and where there's a common ground. I think the problem is, is when we shift our conversation to keep fitting, you know, everybody, um, and then it's not authentic. Uh, there's nothing authentic about that. And people can see that. Um, but there are some things that, that um, everybody is struggling with as far as healthcare. Uh, we need it, I don't care whether it's rural, whether it's urban or what, you know, we need that. Uh, mental health care, we need that. So there's some things that are, that are, that touches everybody, you know, whether it's the, the we have, whether it's the, the heroin crisis or whether it's uh, just how the pollution and how the toxic environments, our kids being on inhalers when they don't need to be in inhalers and all these things. There are some things that reach across even to the rural and to the inner city as well that's very important. But um, just like I said, I, I, I still live in my, my community. <laughs> so um, it's, it's around me all the time. So you know, it's just a matter of just staying on task. I think that even the, the rural white women, the Republican women, they admire that when we do stick our grounds. Uh, they, they mimic us eventually anyway. Uh, so it's a matter of us, hey, this is what we need. This is what we want. And we need to bring everybody together to do it. Getting our own people to jump on board, that's a challenge sometimes. Um, and, and that's something we got to be realistic about, too. How do we mend that such that Black folks and Latino folks can sort of support each other and we can just sort of like support our own sometimes? We have issues with that. And that's that's unfortunate. But we do have issues with that. And I either have black women who just is they're so excited they're jumping on board but I also get the ones that are like wait wait who do you think you are you know um who she thinks she is you know I've been knocked off my high horse so much I didn't even know I had a high horse until I had to keep climbing back up on it <laughs> you know so um yeah we got there's some things in our culture as well that we have to face as far as being able to take on those challenges and, and stick together and just get it done we have a lot of stuff that we just need to get done. And we don't really have time for any of this crazy who she thinks she is crap. You know, we got to get it handled. Yeah. Let me uh, respond to something that both of you said. Um, both of you mentioned messaging. Of course, that, you know, extremely important. It just seems to me that if, if Dems could spend, you use the same ferocity that, uh, Republicans use, if we would hammer the truth, 
the same way that they hammered the lie, yeah. there, there has to be some positive outcome for Democrats. And Dr. McCray, you mentioned uh, that black and brown, black and, black and Latino voters should support each other. Well, I'm very proud that the black caucus and the Latino caucus down here are working more and more on joint projects, you know, and uh, it, it's only going to get bigger. But one thing that I have always said is that, for, and this is just my personal opinion, no matter what the issue is, all roads lead back to voting, voting rights. Mm. No. And uh, in our last, we got a few minutes left. I want to go uh, and ask Dr. McCray to make a, a few comments, and then to Jennifer, and then Natalia, turn it back over to you. Just leave us with something. Leave you with something. Well, yes. You mentioned voting rights. Um, we're watching a chipping away of voting rights. This is sort of in our face. It's just sort of really in your face robbery, um, uh, taking away those gains that people have made. Um, I've stood in a line that was so daggone long in, in my community just to vote. Um, when other communities are going to walk right in and vote. So all these obstacles that are being put in the way of voters, it just makes no sense to me. And it's cheating. It's cheating at every level. You just want to, you, you want to win at all costs, whether you cheat or not. Um, I think also, you know, someone mentioned it the other day, uh, actually one of my veterans, I, when I asked him, who, what did he want to change? He says, you know, I think that people who run for office, their suits should have uh, like a NASCAR racer, who's ever sponsoring them written right on their suit so you know where they're getting their money from. And that's an issue as well. It's not only just voting, but it's how the, the, the everything is stacked um, to get other people elevated and paid for as opposed to other people. We also have to do a great, a big education around voting and voting rights and our, also offices. Most people don't even know uh, what um, Jennifer Crosley's uh, position is. Nobody, I mean, we've had people, when I say I'm running for U.S. Senate, they don't know the difference between U.S. Senate or, you know, or a state Senate. Uh, we have a lot of education to do. Also, they don't know the importance of that midterm election or how to vote or how important the primary election is because we've got a very low voter turnout. There are just so many things that we have to do to get everybody on board and educated and operating like a really sharp machine as far as getting people from just the thought of running to actually across that finish line. We have to sharpen that and make it a machine. Um, and we're our, our campaign is actually trying to figure out what make that machine work. And I think we have some pretty good ideas moving forward. Um, and Jennifer, I'll let you swing off of that. Yeah. So again, voting is important, but we also need to make sure in order for folks to know that voting is very important, we have to break it down to them to figure out why it is important and what matters to them the most. Because as you mentioned, you know, people might not know what this position is for, this office is for, and what these entities do, but we also have to go out into these communities and truly not just ask for their vote, like they might just like we assume that they know what they're voting for but continue to let's do the education of 
hey, you know, this is what this does. And, and I'm here running for this because this is what matters the most. I think what we have to do is get back to, um, you know, get back into our communities, have a clear and concise message, stick with that message, just keep going and we can see what comes from that. Yeah, I think if we're not doing as much as we can to make sure everyone has the right to vote, that we're doing it wrong. And absolutely. And I'll just stop myself there because if not, I'll go. I'll just keep going. So. Like so, somebody said earlier, that's another show. <laughs> well, on on that note, um, we want to thank our two change agents, Dr. Valerie McRae, candidate for U.S. Senate, and Jennifer Crosby, candidate for Monroe County Council, for joining us to discuss their passions for political service and the need to propel more women of color into the political sphere. Bring It On has an open submission policy. So if you have an idea for this program, let's hear it. Send an email to our volunteer staff. The address is bringiton at wfhb.org. We want to make sure we share everything and anything affecting the African-American community with our listening audience in Bloomington and beyond. The email address, once again, is bringiton at wfhb.org. Also, if you have an event or happening the African-American community should know about, please send that info directly to our staff. Or if you want additional info about a calendar item, you can contact us at bringiton, that same email address, bringiton at wfhb.org. Bring It On's executive producer is Clarence Boone. Assistant producer is William Hosea. Show consultant and WFHB News Department Director is Kate Young. Program engineer is Chantal Lafontant. Original theme music was created by Jamil Effium with additional background tracks by David Baker. For WFHB, I am Natalia Galvin. And I am William Hosea. Be sure to tune in next Monday at 6 p.m. for another edition of Bring It On right here on your community radio station, WFHB. You've been listening to Bring It On, a volunteer-powered production of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana. Bring It On is your forum for open dialogue on the people, issues, and events affecting the African-American community in South Central Indiana and beyond. Send your comments, suggestions, and story ideas directly to the Bring It On staff. The email address is bringit at wfhb.org. That's bringit at wfhb.org.